What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another edition of the State of the Nova Nation podcast from VU Hoops. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. And Pat, we are coming at you with a preview episode as Nova starts the really the, the first game of the Big East play on Friday night. The Cats will travel to Omaha, Nebraska to take on the 8-3 and three Creighton Blue Jays. To quote John Rothstein, who quotes Heath Ledger, and here we go. It is finally time for some Big East play. I'm pumped. It's my favorite part of the season. There's nothing like Big East basketball. Obviously, I've been following it since I was a kid. So this is the best part and could not be more pumped to finally get into it. Is John Rothstein trying to emulate Michael Scott here? He might be. miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky, uh, Michael Gretzky, Michael Scott, pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) There are so many John Rothstein quotes and John Rothstein quoting other people. I don't even know how to keep track at this point. They get caught up. Yeah. It's the epitome of brutality one. That's become my new favorite. I love that one. Tougher than a weekend at your in-laws, West Virginia basketball. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing like it. (laughs) (laughs) Fortune 500 for Villanova. There's so many parts of that. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack there. It's funny. Yeah. All right. Anyways, this podcast will not be about John Rothstein tweets. Oh, it won't. Instead, as I mentioned, now, unfortunately, you're going to have to go somewhere else for that, Dang. like John Rothstein's Twitter page. Yeah. We're going to preview Creighton. We're going to talk about the Big East. Pat came up with another great segment. We're going to incorporate some more what we learned and then themes for Big East play in general. And Villanova's non-conference scheduled, too, as we close the chapter on that part of the season. We're already a third of the way through the season, which is wow. just shocking. It's already almost the end of December, which is shocking. It's crazy, Pat. But first, obviously, you know we have to talk about it. If you did not catch our episode that dropped on Tuesday, we recapped Baylor, which is interesting in and of itself. Hopefully, you've had a couple days to take deep breaths, have some perspective, take that Baylor loss and then look ahead to the future. So we do, we talk about everything from that game and then much more importantly and much more exciting. We did a holiday crossover big East pick'em challenge with the full 40 podcast. And that big East full 40 uh, pick'em podcast was so much fun to do is about halfway through or less than halfway through. I think it was about 30 something minutes in yeah. to our, our show on Tuesday. Be sure to give it a listen. If you haven't, we had so much fun with Chris and Rob going through all the games and making our picks and it'll be something for us to follow all year round. Yeah. And one of the best part of it for me making those picks is there is a Google form on view hoops is, is the link to that. Right, Pat? Yeah, so if you go to the article with our Tuesday episode, which I believe is titled Trouble in Texas and our Big East Pick'em with the full 40, you yourself can fill out your Big East picks and keep track with us. Yeah, so fill that out, post it on Twitter if you're able. We would love to follow along with you. There's going to be some sort of prize, even if it's just bragging rights. That'll be pretty cool. You can obviously pick exactly every single game who's going to win every single game the Big East tournament winner how many losses Villanova will have at the end of this it's going to be really fun to follow we were so glad that we were able to do it with the full 40 we had so much fun with Chris and Rob and it was such a good idea and also such a comprehensive to be all nerdy about it it was such a comprehensive preview of every single game Villanova is going to have in the Big East it was if you're looking for for basically a Villanova preview ahead of time for a bunch of different games that is certainly the podcast to go listen to Yeah, and an evergreen episode too. That one will stay relevant the whole time. But that being said, so go listen, pause this right now, go listen to that one, and then we're going to get into Creighton. So we'll do this 
we'll preview, we'll try and preview based on the schedule, every single Big East game before it happens. Pat and I were talking before we started. This is where the whirlwind starts, right? Oh, yes. It feels like we're going to get three games a week, ton of road games, ton of home games, previewing, recap. Oh my God, I'm so excited for it. It's here. It, it's finally here. We really get into the meat of the schedule with two games in four days, then a week off, which is kind of killer before the Temple game. And of course, yeah. it's a non-conference game as well. But of course, it's Christmas in that time. So understandably so for the players. But after that, it really is full throttle. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm, I'm circling February for me. I think that is the month. And honestly, January is a pretty good month, too, in terms of the type of games on the schedule, maybe the back half of January. Not bad. But all right, all that being said, let's get into the nitty gritty of Creighton right now. Like we said, Nova's traveling to Omaha on Friday night. It is the first Big East game on the schedule for the entire conference. Nova visiting Creighton. Creighton had a pretty decent start to the season considering they are an extremely inexperienced team. They mm-hmm. lost nearly every single recognizable name on the roster from last year. Marcus Zagorowski, Denzel Mahoney, Mitch Ballack, Damian Jefferson, Christian Bishop transferred to Texas. Ryan Kalkbrenner and Alex O'Connell, and actually Sharif Mitchell was another uh, decent contributor last sure. year. Those are the three big returnees. The rest is pretty highly ranked recruits and a lot of high-impact transfers. Yeah, you nailed it here. This is It's a different Creighton team in terms of style, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But it is a very, very different Creighton team in terms of the roster where they had to basically redo everything on that roster, which of course makes things a little difficult for them. Uh, It kind of ups and downs for Creighton so far this season. Their best win is over number 24 BYU, which was pretty solid. They also beat Nebraska in the Gavit games, lost to number 19 Iowa State. And come, they are coming off a pretty rough loss at home to Arizona State. This is not a good Arizona State team this yeah. year, coached by Bobby yeah. Hurley, but they did drop that one, which is a tough game. Yeah, that's the one I looked at, too. They were coming off of the momentum from beating a top 25 team in BYU, and they played well against Iowa State, like you mentioned, who was 19 at the time. That loss to Arizona State is not going to look very good. And they only shot 20% from three and they yep, had 25 had attempts. Down. So yeah, yeah, they're gonna be they're gonna be struggling. That's obviously what we can get into. But what you mentioned too, they lost 80% of their scoring from last mm-hmm. year's team that made it to the Sweet 16. They lost to Gonzaga. That was the year for Greg McDermott and this Creighton team. And I don't think rebuilding is a bad word to describe this team, right? They retooled everything. It's new in face. It's new in style. And it's going to be a different version of Creighton that we've seen from the last couple of years where it's just elite guard play, elite shooters. This team is still learning how to play with one another, which is obviously Mm -hmm. night and day from what we see from Villanova. It is. And on top of that, too, they didn't just lose 80% of their scoring from last year. They lost their biggest impact player coming in this year in Ty Ty Washington, Mm. who is a a five-star commit, top commit in their class, which still ended up being a very good one, a top 10 recruiting class. But he decommitted after the whole Greg McDermott thing that happened last year. We don't have to go into that. Uh, And of course, ended up at Kentucky. So it's crazy how different this roster is from what it was just a year ago and what it could have been going into the season. And yet, you know, they've still weathered the storm, I would say, through it, where Creighton is good enough to cause issues. I don't think they're good enough to be towards the top of the conference, but they, they can cause some problems for teams. They're, they're about middle-of-the-road efficiency, both offensive and defensive, which is good enough to cause issues. Yeah, and I, I said it. My mom actually asked me how good of a game UConn-Providence is going to be this weekend. Yes. And I said to her, I really think 
that every single Big East game is going to be a fight. Maybe there are a few outliers. Maybe DePaul, maybe a Butler. You know, one of I those. Said, don't don't games. you say DePaul? How dare you? I was. I was. I, I like was, that you I caught yourself. You Butler too. We're gonna jinx Butler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there might be a few gimmies, but I really do think that every single Big East team can bring it. And I'm not mm-hmm. just saying that to be positive and put a positive spin on things. I really do think that if Villanova lets their foot off the gas, some of these games could get ugly. And especially the first one. I mean, Rob talked about it on Tuesday. Yep. Momentum, bringing it in off the layover. Creighton gets up for this game at home on a Friday night. I'm I'm not nervous, but Villanova's got to give their A game in every single one of these matchups. They certainly do. We talked about Omaha is a brutal place to play. It's Friday night. It is the first Big East game as well out of any Big East game. So this is the, the flagship game to kick things off. They're coming off a loss at home against Arizona State, which, as we just said, is, is a bad loss. That's the only way to look at it. Uh, I do think Creighton is going to be up for this game. I also think Villanova should rebound very heavily just coming off. So mm. Creighton's coming off of a bad loss to an Arizona State team. That's not very good. Villanova came off a historically bad loss to a very good team, but the worst performance of the Jay Wright era. So I, I definitely expect Villanova yeah. to bounce back. Yeah, a little bit of a different bounce back for both teams. I like the way you put that. <laughs> and Villanova to. obviously has, they have their really long layover too. So mm-hmm. I guess that's good because they'll be rested. And you also hope that, you know, fresh legs i'm not sure how rested they're gonna be after practice yeah (laughs) very very good point so let's get into some of the the nitty-gritty of the Mm -hmm. roster i guess and some of the stats so talking about inexperience six of the nine players who get serious time for creighton and i i quantified that as more than nine minutes they didn't play for for Creighton last year. Mm. And the guy I want to talk about is Ryan Hawkins, the transfer yep. from Northwest Missouri State. He's the leading scorer in the, he's a leading scorer. He's also the leading rebounder. And he's been the leading scorer himself in three of the last five games. So very quickly, the offense has started to run through this transfer, which when you think, think about how unique that idea actually is, he's a senior. He obviously has a lot of experience and Otherwise, this team is led by a lot of freshmen. But for a new face to come in and run this offense to be all over the court, that's really impressive for Hawkins. He's a good player. I will say, too, it's smart for McDermott. Because as we talk about how this team is so young and brings in all those freshmen, you've got so many young players playing as well. He brought in a really experienced player. And in Hawkins as well, he spent five years at Northwest Missouri State because he redshirted for a year, played four. In those four years that he did play, Team went 124 and seven during his time there. Wow. Uh, three national championships as well at the Division II level. So he's seen it all, of course, at a lower level. But what he does is he brings in a steady hand, someone that knows what it's like to play college basketball. Of course, doesn't know the intensity of the Big East. This will be his first Big East game, which is something to look at. But I do really like the idea of how young and different this Creighton team is that McDermott said, Hey, let me bring in one of the oldest players in college basketball. One of the most experienced players in college basketball to try to help write this ship. Yeah. For real older and experienced in his sixth year. My God, you know what else he is though? What's that? He's a winner. He is a a winner. winner. He goes out there and he wins. I mean, he only lost seven times in his collegiate career. That's not bad. Incredible. He's basically almost caught that up in the first 11 games of the season for Creighton. That's insane. But yeah, sounds like our intramural football team. Yeah. Oh my God. You should just spend an entire episode (laughs) talking about how good that team was across your colleague. Shout out to the squad. Wow. Yeah. They know who they are. Exactly. But yeah, it, 
it's it's gonna be a lot of Hawkins. Some other names we can get into. Ryan Kalkbrenner, he is gigantic. He's the Alex one I O'Connell look at. Yep. is a a three point shooting machine. And Sharif Mitchell has always been that name that was coming off the bench. He was a little bit of a spark plug. Only plays a few minutes, but as he continues to gel and make his make his real moment here, he's averaging sixteen and a half minutes. He can move across the floor pretty well. Yeah, he can. Creighton's got a lot of different options. I think as you're going to Kalkbrenner's the one I want to look at. And for obvious reasons, the man is seven foot one. And we've seen that Villanova can struggle against big men, especially talented big men. And Kalkbrenner is one of those talented big men. Uh, 16 points against Arizona State, 14 against a good uh, Iowa State team as well. He's racked up as high as 17 this season. You know, he's going to provide some interior defense. He doesn't move great, but he's still a decent enough shot blocker. I mean, his high this season is five in a single game, and he's done that three times. That that's an interior presence. That is, <laughs> that's the type of player that I think Villanova fans at times can cry out for is, is that type of dominance in the post. He's got it. So I, I think it's an interesting dynamic to look at as we start to talk about Villanova and Creighton and the two versus the three is a discussion we had on Tuesday, but he is a guy that I think has a chance to make a huge impact on Friday night. And I'm very, very interested to see how Villanova attacks him because of course there's no one on that, on this Villanova roster that would match up for him size-wise. Yeah, it's interesting. Obviously, the size advantage is going to be something that we talk about in every single game in the conference with every single team that has a big man. But it's been a while since Villanova played a big man that was this good offensively Mm -hmm. because Flo Thamba and Chachua were really, really good, but you don't see them dropping 10 to 15 points like Kalkbrenner can. No. Travion Williams and Zach Eady had that ability, definitely. But, but they that's don't play up on, however. He them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then even um, UCLA, it was Miles Johnson. Miles because Johnson, remember, yeah. Co- uh, Cody Riley couldn't play that game, and, and Miles Johnson didn't get much done offensively. So this is a huge assignment for Eric Dixon, how he's going to be able to hold up against a seven foot one big man who at times can be the leading scorer on his team. Mm -hmm. That's insane. It is. And I'd be interested to see how Villanova brings help defense too. I actually think Mm. that Nova is going to bring a ton of double teams on Kalkbrenner, which is not something that Villanova does too often, but why I think you have a chance to see that on Friday night is that as we talk about this being a different Creighton team than what we're used to over the past couple of years, this is not a particularly talented team from three. Creighton Mm. lives inside. They are the opposite of what we've seen from Villanova. They are ninth in the country in two-point percentage. They are, let me get it right, 269th in three-point percentage. They don't shoot a lot of threes. They don't hit a lot of threes. They live inside the arc. So I think Villanova has more of an ability to try and take that away, try and bring those doubles, and try to force turnovers that way. So I, I think you could be on the lookout for that on Friday. That's such a good point. And I hope we see that. And I also hope we see some of that mirrored on Villanova's offensive end as well. If you've been hearing some of the the overarching themes that we've been talking about for the last few days, but I had that same exact point written down. They're a low three point shooting team, but they also put up a decent amount of shots in their last two games. They put up more than I think it was 24 against Arizona state and 25 or 25 against Arizona state, 24 against BYU. And they're literally making like, five to eight of them yeah not many of them so they're gonna put up a lot of shots you're probably going to wonder why greg mcdermott doesn't put his game doesn't change his game plan the thing is there's just not that many talented scorers besides kyle brenner hawkins and then alex o'connell is going to shoot a lot of threes but he's not going to shoot the lights out at any point 
No, and I'm impressed with Alex O'Connell because I think he's come a long way. And if you remember Alex O'Connell, he's a Duke transfer mm. as well. That mm. I, I guess really bode his time here at Creighton. Definitely didn't jump on the scene and explode coming from Duke, as I think some people may have thought. But he's turned into a much better player. You know, he, he's definitely someone they now rely on to be able to score in his senior season here. He's up to over 11 points per game, which is a huge difference over the three he averaged in 2020. His minutes are off the charts. Like, it's just such a different role for O'Connell. He is someone that, you know, Creighton has started to have to rely on with still getting some of those freshmen up to speed. And they are very talented freshmen. We're going to talk about them in a second, I'm sure. But O'Connell is one that you're going to see the ball in his hands a lot. Yeah, and it's an interesting conundrum is a strong word, but it's an interesting position that McDermott is and how he has to coach because you want to give these freshmen a lot of run. But he also, you made such an incredible point about Hawkins and bringing a true gritty winner I love experienced player. I mean, yeah, that, that's that's exactly what Hawkins is. And Ryan Ryan Nemhard is really talented. Arthur Kaluma is really talented, but you'd rather have Alex O'Connell out there for the 30 minutes because he knows what to do in this system. And it's mm-hmm. still so early on for the freshman to know exactly where to be, not to make any mistakes. And that's why Creighton can give any team in the Big East a hard yes. time but I still don't think they're there where they're thinking about making the tournament. Things are still just building team chemistry, having guys learn the system. And that's why their, their ceiling is so much lower than it has been in the past. Yeah, that's fair. Cause I, I remember, you know, we're, we're talking to the last episode. I had mentioned Creighton as a dark horse that if things go right, could win the biggest tournament. First thing is that I think that's, that, if they go right. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's fair. First thing was that I was not allowing myself to count St. John's as a dark horse. Cause I think they're talented <laughs> enough that they could be there. Otherwise they would be my pick, but I look at this Creighton team and I see those freshmen and I say, if they hit their stride, man, that could be a tr- some cause some issues for people with Kalkbrenner inside with Hawkins, bringing them that experience. That's an all things go right scenario before anyone kills me on that, by the way. Yeah. Um, but on the freshmen specifically, and you mentioned him, I'm really impressed with Ryan Nemhard only as a freshman. I think this guy is going to develop into one of the better players in the big East. Of course, the Nemhard name should sound pretty familiar as his brother is at Gonzaga was at Florida as well for a little bit there. Uh, He has adjusted so quickly to college. Now his turnover numbers are atrocious. I think he's averaging about three and a half per game. And I believe he's hit as high as six or seven in a single game at some point this season, but he can score. He can handle the basketball. He's a great distributor you know, a solid defender. Ryan Nemhard is a name that if you don't know it going into this game, you are going to know it leaving it and you will definitely know it as he progresses at Creighton. Yeah. And it's no shock to me that you think he's, you're predicting him to be a really good college basketball player. And it's no shock that he's already adjusted well, because look at his brother. Yeah. He's one of, I mean, Gillespie and man, what are some of the other names like Brandon Slater, these guys that get talked about on a national stage for taking the jump and developing that whole, that whole talk. And a lot of guys at Baylor too. Andrew Nemhart is one of those guys. He was mm-hmm. a periphery player for so long. And finally last year with that dream Gonzaga team. And this year too, he's the leader of that he's team along with Drew Timmy. And sometimes it just takes a couple of years to really grow into that role. And I see Ryan Nemhart doing the whole thing. And if it's also the exact type of player that Greg, McDermott is known for it's yeah. the same type of player that it's actually a really good blend of what Zagorowski and Bishop and um, Mitch Ballack were 
he can just do it all if he gets down on those turnovers, which I think that that is definitely something Villanova will exploit, obviously. But, too. but that aside, I completely agree with you. He's going to be really impressive to watch. Yeah, I, I think so too. And then if we stick on the, the freshman route of things, Arthur Kaluma is a player that, again, very exciting, very different than Ryan Nemhard, and that Kaluma is a forward at 6'8". But it, he's he's shown talent and flashes at times. Again, still a freshman in his first couple games, of course. But what's most impressive here is that Nemhard and Kaluma, as we said, both freshmen, both have started all 11 games for Creighton. So they already have McDermott's trust, which is something you have to look at. Kaluma has the ability to step out and hit the three. At least he did in, co- in high school, excuse me. He's been very poor in college, shooting at just 19%. It's a three-point shot that I think you're going to start to see you know, progress and get better throughout the years. But there's certainly some athleticism. He can run the floor. He's a solid rebounder already as a freshman. And I think he has potential to, to try and cause some issues with Villanova. I think Nova has enough experience and Kaluma is still figuring things out enough that I don't think he's going to be a game changer early enough. But again, another player that as Creighton continues to develop and we move through the years, definitely know the name Arthur Kaluma. Yeah. And just on the last point about Ryan Nemhart, he leads the team in minutes. So so, isn't that crazy? There. Yeah, it's it's really legit. And Kaluma himself, nearly nine points, nearly five rebounds. Like these guys are are getting high impact minutes. Their stats are showing up on the stat sheet. It's not just freshmen getting run under them. They are legitimate contributors to this team. Jay Wright would never. VU Hoops comment section, don't kill me. I'm joking, please. Come on, Pat. <laughs> please. Come I'm, on, Pat. I'm kidding, don't I'm kidding. open that can of worms. <laughs> no, but let, let's talk. I mean, I think it's it's probably time not to bring Nova into this. And to make it more of this matchup now, as great of a coach as McDermott is, mm-hmm. it's just so hard for an inexperienced team to match up to what Villanova can do on the court. It's going to be so easy. As good as Nemhard and Kaluma are, it's going to be so easy for Jermaine Samuels or Colin Gillespie or even Brandon Slater and Justin Moore to force them to make mistakes. It's going to be so easy for them to collapse inside and then for them to kick it out and for them to put up a contested or a bad shot because they're just nervous and there's not a ton of talent like there was last year. So I think Villanova gets the advantage in almost every single tiny matchup here. And then that being said, they're just not a great shooting team. So I think they're going to struggle to put a lot of points up on the board. I certainly hope it'll be easy. Uh, I don't know. Of course, with the Big East road game, I think things can, can always take a turn there, but you're definitely right. And it's funny because we just had that discussion on Tuesday about Villanova taking threes. Brendan Riley just wrote a, a you know a really nice article on View Hoops if you haven't read it about the three point distribution and all that. Uh, Villanova's key to winning this game is sticking with the three point shot and yeah. hitting those threes, which is something they haven't done as consistently as I think we'd like to see them this year. Because Creighton's three point defense is so poor, there's certainly a chance that they can exploit that there. You know, I think you're again hoping that Justin Moore can continue what he's doing. Brandon Slater's had the two poor games. You'd love to see that shot return. And I just want to see some life from Jermaine Samuels on the offensive end as well. I think that would be so huge and such a boost for this Villanova team. Of course, with starting things with Creighton, but a very difficult game against Xavier right around the corner as well. And then to your point about trying to exploit Creighton, they turn the ball over a lot. You know, they really do. It's one of their big weaknesses. And Villanova, defensively, we've talked about the strides they've made. I see no reason why they shouldn't try and and really ramp ramp things up on Creighton and force those turnovers. We just talked about how much these freshmen are playing. Yes, it's awesome, you know, for these freshmen to be able to get these minutes. And it shows the trust McDermott has. 
but it's also freshman playing in their first Big East game. So, right, right. And, and you think about how experienced this Villanova team truly is. Uh, I think that's where you lean when you try to find advantages, and Nova most certainly has it there. Yeah, and I think maybe not, maybe we don't hope to see this happen, but this is the type of Big East schedule where I feel like in the second half, we're all going to see how good Villanova really is. Teams might stick around in the first half, but once Villanova settles down, especially against these young, inexperienced teams like Creighton, I just think they're gonna they're gonna run out of gas by the second half, and Villanova's just gonna be too experienced. I think that's a good point. Another thing I was gonna bring up, and I actually have some more points about Jermaine Samuels for the what we learned segment too. When you first said that about three point shooting and how bad Creighton's three point defense is, I thought, oh, you're right. This is actually a great test game for Villanova to bring that three-point shooting percentage back up. And if you've read Brandon, Brendan Riley's article, you definitely should if you haven't. It's some incredibly extensive research. Yes, the Syracuse game made the numbers a little bit outliers, but that being said, I'll stick to my point. We have not been wowed by Villanova three-point shooting performance lately, and this would be a great time to show it again in the first game of the Big East on the road, get some momentum going into conference play. On the flip side, though, because of how good and how I, what I meant to say is because of how big and maybe just making the inference how good they are in the interior, how, in the, how good they are in the post on defense, mm-hmm. we're going to see a ton of three-point shots from Villanova. So I don't panic. So. Don't feel like there's too much reliance. It's just because it's a matchup. Who, who is going to go up against the seven one Kalkbrenner? Exactly. So yes, it's going to be disappointing that we can't see them make the adjustments that they could have made against Baylor, but this doesn't seem like the game where that's that's sh- that should happen. I also think you're going to see Villanova be a lot more comfortable mm-hmm. in this game. And you may say, well, why is that? That doesn't make sense. It's a road game in Omaha, but uh, you know, pace really does affect this Villanova team and the paces they play against really affects this Villanova team. And Creighton is currently playing at their slowest tempo since 2015. This is not the Mo Watson, Marcus Foster, Justin Patton teams that were flying up and down the floor. That is not what this Creighton team, this iteration of Creighton does. So I think Villanova is going to be able to more settle into their offense, not worry about being exploited in transition enough. Creighton's got some athletes, certainly. We just talked about Nemhard. We just talked about Kaluma. You know, they do have some ability there, but they are not. This is not St. John's, you know, that you're going up against. That's going to really try and get in your grill for, for Big East play. This is sure as hell isn't Baylor that we just yeah. saw on Sunday. So I think you're going to see a more comfortable team there. And again, if you're looking for margins, which you certainly could against the Big East team on the road like this is, Creighton's a really bad free throw shooting team. And it'll be interesting to, it, it cost them against Arizona state. They only shot 62% from the line. They missed yeah. six foul shots. I want to say lost uh, by one. and lost by one. So obviously that's devastating. They only shoot 69% as a team. So I wouldn't say for Villanova, you know, it'd be nice to use a couple other guys and, you know, maybe let them use some fouls, but I wouldn't bet on that. Um, but just th- this is not a team or you would expect that this is not a team that's really going to hurt you from the foul line. Yeah. That's a good point. Maybe some hack-a-shacks out there. I'd love that. <laughs> and do you remember the, the the words you used to describe Baylor's defense last week or on uh, Tuesday? I don't. So please enlighten me. Disruptive. Disruptive. That's not what you're going to see from Creighton. I don't think so. They, listen, it's not a bad defense. They, no, this, this but, isn't a disaster by any means, but it's not. you're, you're not getting Baylor. Tempo-wise, Villanova will be in control. I think that's the biggest takeaway from what you just said. Tempo-wise, so. Villanova will be in control. And also... 
we've been talking a lot about how much Villanova's defense continues to improve. It's been on a much more team gradual level. It'd also be great to watch them go out there and for, enforce 14 turnovers. That'd be pretty cool. We haven't seen that in a couple of days in a couple of games too. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. So all different things we're looking for here and, and what should be a fun game. I mean, at Creighton is never easy. We've seen it happen yeah. in before in the past. I expect this to be a more difficult game again, but I think Nova ends up taking it in the end. I agree. I just have one more point. Creighton also has a limited bench. They have three guys coming off the bench, another transfer, Faisal, mm-hmm. and then a freshman, Trey Alexander. And, and I'm going to try my best here. He is actually, he was a really highly ranked prospect, but he but didn't play last year with injury. Oh, they've His got some name, rough names on their roster. I know. It is. You ready for this? Drum roll, please. Androni Kashvili. That's my best guess. Hopefully think, that's okay. I mean, I think that that might actually be it. Mamu Kalashvili. That's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. It's close enough to Mamu Kalashvili, so I'm going to go with I'm going to go with that. Yep, that's exactly what I took that from. So they come off the bench, but it's it's kind of the Daniel's arch role. It's like six to ten points, ten to fifteen minutes against Arizona State. All of their starters had twenty nine minutes, so we're going to mm-hmm. see a lot of the starting five. And we're, we're probably going to see a lot of the starting five from Villanova, obviously, like we've been seeing. I would say so. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I think this is probably a 10 to 15 point game with Villanova Ooh. on top. Okay. I was going to say seven to 10. Okay. I, I think Creighton can keep it a little closer, but I, I do firmly believe Villanova wins. Especially on the road, especially mm-hmm. on the road. Yep. Give Creighton the benefit of the doubt here. Right, I well. haven't, I haven't seen a spread yet, so I, I can't give you that oh. number, but um. I, I think seven at 10. Okay. Like that. All right. That I think wraps it up for Creighton. You ready to move it, on to uh, what to watch? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Tell us what you were thinking for this one. Yeah. So what to watch here, just, you know, we don't want to beat a dead horse being that we just recorded an hour and a half long episode on Tuesday and a lot of almost an hour of that was dedicated to Big East play. So we just want to pick out, you know, a couple of things, whether it be from other Big East teams or from Villanova that we want to watch or be on the lookout for um, as these teams move into conference play. So it's a, it may sound broad. It's because it's meant to be broad and yeah. we'll just take it to where we, we want to go with it. Yeah. And I think this is a really good thing to do. We can do it at the beginning. We can do it at the middle of big East play. And then maybe we can do it at the end too, and kind of wrap things up at what we learned. Yeah, definitely. I guess the point I'll start with is a general big East team. And I, I broached it a little bit when we were talking about Creighton, but my big question is, what young inexperienced teams are going to step up? Are we going to see this young Creighton team just put things together and go on a run? Same with Marquette, same with Georgetown, like they did last year. I think there's something hmm. to be said for these guys getting up for their game for these games. And they're obviously senior leaders. Like you've got Daryl Marcel on Marquette and Ryan Hawkins on Creighton and Carrie and Harris on Georgetown. But there's going to be some young guy magic. I just have that type of feeling, even though the COVID eligibility means that guys are going to continue to be older Mm -hmm. as years go on. I think some of these young teams can still make a difference. And especially the teams that were ranked low in the Big East preseason poll are going to make some things happen. Of the teams you mentioned there, uh, not surprisingly, after what we just talked to, I think Creighton would be the one that has an ability. I really did believe in Georgetown going into the season that they could, yeah. <laughs> that they could be better. They have shown absolutely zero inclination for me to still believe that. So uh, I will shy away from them. Let me just back away there. Uh, though beating Syracuse is I was just going to say, give them, 
some credit. I know you hate Syracuse, but they beat, <laughs> they beat them. Come I just on. find I find that hysterical that they found a way to win that one. Um, no, there is certainly. The, the older generation of biggies guys are on their way out. You know, as you think of the Gillespie's and all of that, um, it's cool to kind of see the new era of it get ushered in. And yeah. I think places like Creighton, like Marquette might be the place to look for that. Yeah. I said Marquette's my dark crush of the conference. I have a lot of confidence in Marquette. I might have to die on that hill. You, you might have to, because I don't trust them, but we'll see. <laughs> We'll see as time goes on. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm going to go away from Villanova for this one too. And it's probably an easy one, but like, I, I mean it at this point. I want to watch DePaul. Like mm. what is, it, it's gotten to the point where it's a little more than just a, yes, we use it as a running joke, but they've got to win over Rutgers. Rutgers obviously beat number one Purdue, something Villanova was not able to do. They have a win over, they, it's true. They have a win over Louisville on the road, Chris Mack there. Um, you know, they're sitting at nine and one. They're getting ready for a game against Northwestern, which is going to be a difficult game because it's a decent Northwestern team before they get into conference play. They also open up against Creighton. But this is uh, as much as many jokes as we can make about DePaul. I don't think many of us had a nine and one start for them. And, you know, coming out of the gates with, with what we're thinking, Javon Freeman Liberty has been so good. David Jones has been great for them. Nick Ungenda gives them a, an interior presence here. You know, is there a chance to Paul finally climbs out of the cellar of the big East? I absolutely think so. Wow. DePaul's going to climb out of the cellar this year? Yeah, George, it's it's destined for Georgetown, as we've seen right now. Oh, my God. I didn't say I they wouldn't that. finish one above Georgetown, <laughs> but I, I actually do think I, I want to see what, what does this DePaul team do when they have to go out there night in and night out and play some really brutal teams in the Big East. Yeah, I, like I said, this is this is the tough, tough Big East conference this year. I think you could say with 100% certainty that this is the most we've ever talked about DePaul, which is oh, definitely a, a good sign. Yeah, no yeah. question. I will say, I, I of course, this is the running joke. I say that I'm high on them. I would love for them to be good. They were undefeated going into conference play a couple of years ago, and they just crashed that's, and that's burned. That's true. And was that was with um, yeah, what was uh, Dave Lato? That was with him. This is obviously Stubblefield's new era. They've got, is it Freeman Liberty or Liberty Freeman? It is Freeman Liberty, I believe. Why do yes. I always do that? I have that in my head now. It's because it's it it's two names of independence, you know? You yeah. just mix them up. With Liberty and, and uh, after all, yeah. Okay, anyways. <laughs> Liberty um... after all. That's how I want you to remember it. Liberty <laughs> after all, because it's Freeman Liberty. <laughs> um, I just completely lost my train of thought, obviously. Um, I mean, it, it, it was worth it. Yeah, I guess that was. And I was just thinking about what Chris was saying about how that's such a redundant last name. It is. I have so many thoughts in my head. But yes, I would love for Duvall to be good. I want to see them play in Big East for a little bit before mm-hmm. I really give my my two cents on them. Hey, that's why I said I want to watch them, all right? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. You didn't say you expect it. You just want no. to watch. That's exactly, fine. exactly. Yeah. All right, well, I have two things on Villanova. And I guess I, I'll do the first one quick and then just because you mentioned it. The biggest question for me is what version of Jermaine Samuels are we going to get from yep. this Big East play? And perhaps even more importantly, will that good version be consistent? Maybe that's the, the more poignant question because he has been absent for the past few games. It's been incredibly apparent. Villanova has been much worse off because of it. He's a senior leader. He needs to step up, period. I, I think we're out of excuses. We're out of yes. him acclimating to the system. This is his team, and he needs to start playing like it. 
Yeah, listen, I, I talked about it last time and I completely agree. Jermaine Samuels needs to step up. He yeah. needs to be better. There, it's not a, oh, it would be great if he's better. No, he has yeah. to be better for this Villanova team to achieve you know, what they really set out to achieve this year, which is to be one of the elite teams in college basketball. He does, he does very nicely on the defensive end. We know about the length. There must be more conviction and there must be more of a scoring punch from him for this Villanova team to, to be able to go far. Yep. I completely agree. And my last one, this is actually probably going to be best served as a rhetorical question, Ooh. but it's the question of all questions. Can Villanova close out games? <laughs> and will a six-man rotation be enough to run the gauntlet of Big East play? Uh, how dare you dun, count dun, out dun. Chris Archidiakono uh, <laughs> and a seven-man rotation? <laughs> but as you said, it is a rhetorical question. And funny enough, uh, my Villanova point as we go to that was, do we see some rotation as yeah. we move into it? The easy answer may be absolutely not. As we go into to Big East play, Jay's going to play the guys he trusts. But my question to that, as I talk about DePaul, is it's a grueling ask to ask these guys, especially once we get into January, to every single night go out there and play 30-plus minutes right. in this conference, in this grind of a conference this year. I, Brian Antoine, we talked about last on Tuesday. You know, It's great that he's dressing. I still view him as a huge question mark for what he can actually give. You, he has the potential to be a game changer. We have no idea if he's going to be able to come anywhere close to that. Yeah. Were you going to continue? I, I was just going to say the, the question is, does, I, I don't even really count in Joku because I think he's the one furthest behind the curve here. Mm-hmm. Does Trey Patterson, does Jordan Longino find a way to crack any sort of consistent minutes. And by consistent minutes, I don't mean even 10 a game. I mean, can we see them for five minutes a game? Yeah, those are the questions. And Demir Cosby Roundry too. Yeah, I thought what you, Chris, and Rob said about Brad Antoine was was really smart and just wondering what he can bring. We know what the glimpses of potential we've seen are, but how much can we count on that? And you're right. It's We continue to talk about Jay's lack of trust and his inability to put these freshmen put these freshmen in because he says he owes it to the upperclassmen to give them these moments with the schedule the way it is he might not have a choice but to put the freshmen in i feel like we're kind of leaning towards that and Ooh, it might not that. be yeah it might not be something <laughs> that anyone wants but i want it. i mean we're, we're we're talking about we can't have these guys get injured because of overuse we've got to mm. be smart here we've got to wonder what this schedule is going to do to the body. I mean, that's what we're talking about with Kazuya Roundtree too, and what his minute uptick will look like. It's going to be really interesting to watch. I think that's a whole theme for the entire season, what this rotation is going to look like. Ditto. I don't, I don't need to, uh, to reiterate what you said. So I'm, yeah. uh, I'm with you. And then I just had one more and it can be a pretty quick one. I really do think that an interesting team, I know we've talked about it many times, but I want to see what St. John's can do. And I want to see if they can find consistency. And, and why I say that is that, Julian Champagne is straight up the best scorer in the Big East out of, out of anyone. If they're, if you're looking for one guy to be able to shoulder the brunt of your scoring, you go to Champagne. So St. John's has that. Posh Alexander is probably the best defender in, in all of the Big East. He's been off to, he's still averaging 16 points a game, but it's been a rough uh, three-point shooting start for him. I know he's had some foul trouble at times as well, too. It's can St. John's kind of find those role players to come in, I know Montez Mathis has been okay. You know, it, it, backup point guard can sometimes be a struggle when Posh is off the floor for them. 
this team, they have the style that causes issues and makes teams uncomfortable, especially a Villanova type. They have the score and Champagne. They have the shutdown defender. It's are those other pieces going to mesh enough that they can cause chaos to, to really try and make a run here? Yeah, isn't that the question with every team? The secondary and tertiary scoring. It it also feels like it's the question with St. John's because you look at that team and you say, there is talent there. Can they put it together, you know, on on a basis where they can find any sort of consistency? Because that's just the mind-blowing part of it. They went to overtime with NJIT. They struggled with St. Francis. You know, it just, it doesn't make sense because there's too much talent on this team for that to happen. Yeah, and I've disappointed with how they played so far Mm -hmm. i'm sure you you agree it's disappointing because they are so talented and i thought they were going to be a tournament team at the beginning of the season and i'll go as far to say as julian champagne can be the biggies player of the year if he has a good stretch of conference play he is that good of a he's a stud and and so you've got the go-to guy on offense you've got the go-to guy on defense who's going to step up this was the same question we were talking about we were asking about uconn and you've seen these guys emerge so they just need to, to take things slow. Mike Anderson's got to bring that that slow cadence back, just like his voice, just like his accent. Make <laughs> them Mike chill Anderson. a little bit, play at MSG, get some good conference wins under their belt. And that should be enough to put them forward. But you're right. They're an incredibly frustrating team to watch at time because they have the talent. They just are too inconsistent for their own good. They open with Seton Hall in yeah, conference play, which is, that's an awesome game. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that, that immediately puts... Both teams at an advantage. Whoever wins, that's a big win for either team. It's, it's off. It's teams. offense versus defense, really. There, yeah. that's that's going to be a fun one to watch. I believe that's on Monday the twentieth. So be on the lookout, Big East fans, for yeah for that one. Speaking of that, do we want to get into a little look at the Big East? Yeah, I just want to uh, say my last point about an overarching theme, and this is a mm-hmm. very very fun one. Home court advantages are back because fans are in the stands. I love it, and we should all just be so happy and grateful that it's back because even in the few games we've seen well it's more than a few at this point but having fan backs makes such a difference obviously and this is what I mean what it is where we're talking about Creighton can make this a game just because they're going to be in Omaha and that atmosphere and and it's Omaha come on now Mm -hmm. no I listen I've been lucky enough to go to two games already this season in Mount St. Mary's and Howard it feels incredible to be able to be back at those games, you know, if you feel comfortable in going, it, it's, it's awesome. So it yeah. just, it's great to have fans back. It'll be so fun. And we feel that way about watching it on TV too, which is yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. All right. Let's get into some, to some questions. Yeah. We, we can, uh, we can go through this big East, uh, look at quick oh, yeah. before, yeah, before the mailbag. No, no, no problem. This is fast. Um, so looking ahead at a couple big East games, cause we didn't really have anything happen from when we recorded our last one to where we now are, <laughs> I can't speak. We didn't have too much happen from when we last recorded and dropped that episode to where we are now, except of course, the biggest thing was Creighton losing that game to Arizona state, which we already talked about. So if we look ahead here, as we said, big East play does start up on Friday night with Villanova against Creighton, but it goes further than that. There are some teams that are not playing in big East play on definitely not Friday. Cause it's just Nova and then Saturday as well. We start with Butler Purdue, which I think is, it's such an interesting game to look at here. I would assume that Purdue is going to roll because I've talked about many times. I do not trust this Butler team whatsoever. And I think Purdue is really talented, but matchup wise, what a test for Butler. Mm. I mean, I would have said that about Rutgers playing Purdue too. Fair shot. Rutgers won. So you never know. (laughs) Rutgers won. We got St. John's and Pitt as well on Saturday in an old big East matchup, which is good. It's not a great Pitt team for sure. So you'd like to see St. John's, 
especially try to gain some momentum here before that Seton Hall game. Yeah, they gotta have a they gotta have a statement win. Like shut them out and be wire to wire for the full forty minutes. That's if, what St. John's needs. If they shut them out, let's do our whole podcast next Tuesday on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exclusively St. John's content. Get ready, John, people. St. John shuts out <laughs> Pittsburgh in college basketball game. <laughs> and then one more non-conference one on Saturday, and of course we have to say it. I own a place Seton Hall, and what does that mean? That means Rick Pitino is coaching against Seton Hall, so that's going to be a fun one. I'm so excited. MSG, I mean, does it get better than that? I said to Pat, hopefully Bill Raftery's on the call. That would just be amazing. It's it's going to be great. Um, oh, God, the Gotham Classic. It's a second game after the St. John's Pitt game. Oh, man, I'm pumped for it. It's, uh, it's going to be good. Um, you know who's going to be pumped for it? Oh, I know exactly who's going to be pumped for it. Our guy Eugene's going to be hyped for this game. Eugene oh is going to be God. very excited with Iona uh, in this one. And then two Big East games as well uh, as we kick things off here on Saturday. Marquette Xavier and Providence UConn. Yeah, I'm going to go with the favorite team. This It's, it's two of the four ranked Big East teams mm-hmm. right now. Uh UConn at 20, Xavier at 22. I don't see an upset happening, but like I said, I I think Providence is going to stick around. I think that's a good game. And then, of course, we'll see how good Marquette's defense really is against an offense as good as Xavier's. Just want to point out as well as we move into Big East season, games will return to being broadcasted on Fox Sports. Let's go. Don't think it's a coincidence that Villanova has three losses this year, all three of those games on ESPN. Interesting. If we want to start a narrative. Um, I would like to start that narrative. So let's let's just blame it on ESPN. So welcome back Fox Sports 1 uh, for for Villanova games. (laughs) But that's that's your Big East look at for this weekend. It's it's here. We're getting it. Yeah, we're getting into it. I'm so excited. Sweet. You want to go through questions quick? Because I know we're actually going a little longer than we thought we were right now. (laughs) Yeah, we always always do that, as you will come to know. Exactly. So first question coming in from Jerry. What is the next game where this team will be tournament tested? Can any Big East team challenge us? You go first. I know you're excited about this one. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're going to get tested real quick, <laughs> real quick. And that'll be, I don't think Creighton's a tournament team, but I do think Xavier is a tournament team. So I think on the 21st, you are going to see a very good Xavier team come into the pavilion. They'll give Villanova a challenge, especially with Zach Fremantle back. Kobe Jones, we talked about on Tuesday, I think is an absolute stud. This is a good Xavier team. Can any Big East team challenge us? Absolutely. Xavier is one of them. And then you know, I, I picked UConn this week. I was just going to say, hush, hush. We both picked UConn to win. The so, Eagles, so. so I think UConn's got a decent shot to, to cause some issues. Yeah. And then right after Xavier, we've got Seton Hall. They're the 16th ranked team of the country. They're nasty. There are a lot of teams in the Big East that can make Villanova work. I think I still think they're I'm maybe not heads and shoulders, maybe just heads above the competition. But that being said, I have Villanova sweeping. I mean, I have UConn sweeping Villanova. So there's definitely going to be a lot of testing, Jerry, for sure. I think Villanova is a better team than UConn. I think UConn is a bad matchup for Villanova. Yes, That's yes, the simplest well way I can yeah. put it. Next question from him. When will we be more consistent when playing higher level teams? Jerry, isn't that the question? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that the that's, I'm sure that's what Jay Wright, that's the question keeping Jay Wright up at night, right? It's just, it seems to be this theme I don't think it needs to be too much looked into just because it's the caliber of team that we're playing when it's when size is as much of an issue as it is this year. And that's actually kind of harsh because I think you and I have made it very clear that it doesn't have to be an issue and they've proved that it doesn't have to be an issue. But when you're playing a team as big as Purdue, when you're playing a team as talented as UCLA, 
And when you're playing a team as disruptive and insane as Baylor, Mm -hmm. that's tough. I just think they were all better teams in those scenarios. I I do too. What What I will say for this question is Villanova will not be playing the monstrosity inside that Purdue was and the freakish athleticism that Baylor was. Right. And and I think that can kind of distort what we think. This is still a very good Villanova team, but that that schedule is, is rough. And some of those opponents, I mean, right now, as you look at the rankings, Villanova's three losses were three of the top four teams in the country. I think that's really good perspective. And I think that's why people should be happy. It's been a while since, like you said, I mean, the best win so far has been Tennessee. And that was one of the worst games ever. We Villanova needs a really good win to level itself out a little bit and, and help remind people the ceiling that, and floor that this team has. People has please, both high. Please do not forget how good of a win that Tennessee game is. I know we all throw it out because Tennessee scored, what, 50-something points in that yeah. game. Tennessee has the number one ranked defense in the country. They are loaded with talented freshmen. That is a damn good volunteer team. So yeah. do not, I know we focus on Baylor, UCLA, and, and Purdue. That Tennessee win is going to look very good come the end of the year. Yeah, that's a good point. And Andy Katz also came out with an article that said Villanova's best one was Syracuse. I did that see is not, that. That is not the case. Not, Villanova's not, best win is Tennessee. Not sure what we were looking at there, but yes, yeah. I did. I did see that as well. Final question from Jerry. Are you going to the VU Christmas party in Philly on Thursday? If not, why? Pat and I were rudely excluded from this inner circle. I didn't see an invitation here, Jerry. I, I don't yeah. know. I, you let us know who we need to talk to, um, but we'll, we'll figure something out for the future. <laughs> yeah, help us get in, Jerry. We need the invites. <laughs> Absolutely. Next question coming in, maybe from a fam- familiar name. This is from Chris from the Full 40. I don't know if you, you've heard of him at all. Um, <laughs> why was Rob from the Full 40 picking all his games based on momentum that doesn't even exist yet? I am sure that Rob is not going to appreciate this question, Chris. <laughs> How rude. No, I, I thought it was funny. I mean, definitely some of his picks, I think he was trying to, you know, like mix things up and shake things up. But that being said, there is some serious momentum. Like, let's say Creighton upsets Villanova. They're going to be riding a pretty heavy wave mm-hmm. of momentum going into their next game. So with games that are as charged as Big East games are, I do think momentum is a thing. It, it certainly is, and I think it's totally fair to look at. And there will be play times throughout the season where Villanova racks up some momentum and where they lose some momentum. Right. And I think Rob was trying to pinpoint it, which, hey, that's yeah. all part of the game, right? Especially with the points. To Especially with, with the it. point so, system. Yeah, yeah right. no, I, I'm all for it. But thanks for the question, guys. Um, we can look at this one uh, uh, quickly, but this comes from Big Tasty. God, I love that name. Uh, adjusted expectations for the season and thoughts on the Big Five turning into the Big Five tournament as uh, kind of thrown forward by Mike Jensen. Yeah, I'll start with the the adjusted expectations. I actually hope what you and I just said encapsulates that, that a little bit. Their three losses are against three of the top four teams in the country. If they were to play again in March, you would hope that Villanova would be in an even better spot than they were. And those two losses, that's actually might not make people feel better, but Villanova could have easily won two of those three games. We've We've mentioned... And we've clarified that Baylor was just the better teams. And then obviously Villanova had 10 point leads in both the UCLA and Purdue games. That all being said, I think this team has one of the highest floors of any team in the country. And that is a very big deal. It's all going to be about who on this roster elevates the team to the next level, whether that's an Antoine comeback, whether that's a freshman getting time, whether that's Demir Cosby Roundtree, whether that's Caleb Daniels, you name it. Otherwise, it's going to be a heavy reliance on the starters, and you just hope that those five guys are battle-tested enough come March. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I look at this team, adjusted expectations. 
I thought we were going to see a little more depth, you know, and a little more development there. So I, I do think that factors into it. I still look at, as we've talked about before, I look at this starting five and I say it's, it's as talented as, as many in the country. It might not be Gonzaga, you know, it might not have the athleticism of Baylor, but I, I still look at this team as, as being very good. I don't see why an elite eight run, possibly a final four couldn't be in the cards. Yeah. And another thing, an adjusted expectation, this defense could help win games much better than I thought it was going to be bad. Yeah. I was not thinking that at the beginning of the season. Yes. And and just to clarify final four is of course optimistic, but I think elite eight is a possibility with this team. Um, So interesting to look there. And then uh, Jensen's idea, first off, Mike Jensen's an awesome writer, you know, for the Inquirer. So always, always good to see his stuff. And, you know, I think it's a fun idea. So for, for people that don't know, the premise is basically to add Drexel, to it still keep it the big five which i i think can throw some people off because it's say well there are six schools it does not matter in today's college basketball just think of the big 10 the pac 12 all those things numbers really don't matter in the names of it turn it into a tournament you know you can play the whole thing through a week and then you give the top team a buy in it or i believe it's the top two teams a buy uh for their first games championship game played at the palestra those buys are based off of net rankings from a year ago I think it's actually a really good idea to try and spice things up for the big five. I love the big five. I want the history of the big five, but things are just you can, undeniably different. And Villanova is so far and away better than them or better than the other schools for where they are in talent development and all those things. Why not just turn it into a straight on tournament? Yeah, I thought the idea was really unique and, and creative. And of course, the underlying tone is that Villanova is just so much better at this current time that it makes things hard. I think absolutely, even if it's not a tournament, there has to be better scheduling to put all the games together. It makes absolutely zero sense for the Temple game to be on December 29th. It's just, I, I can't wrap my head around that. So they need to be close. I think tournament style would be fun. And also when you, I, I think a tournament in general invokes the idea of upsets. And I think people like that. And his other smaller things were just bringing merch back and having a place for people to talk about these memories that makes it fun. And it's obviously the older crowd who have the memories of those type of games when they were super competitive, but there's no reason why that can't come back. And Mm -hmm. having this tournament seems like the best idea for it. If we can have in season tournaments in November with the, you know, Mohegan sun and and going to Atlantis and all that, why can't we turn the big five into a tournament? I feel the same well. way. So let, yeah. let's do it. Nice idea, Mike. I like it a lot. It was a great article. Yeah, it was. It was a very cool article. Um, and then we've got two questions here to end it out. Well, I think it's going to be one question because one of it is just blasphemous um, from Rob. And he actually submitted it last week, but it was after we had already recorded. So I wanted to go back and get it. Thoughts on Josh Hart's hot take. And for those who don't know that uh, former Villanova, great. Josh Hart said that Home Alone is not a Christmas movie. I'm genuinely confused by this. Uh, I think confused is probably the right way to, to it sum it up. literally is a Christmas movie. And I don't particularly like Christmas movies. So if he had said something like... That's a hot take. <laughs> that's what I mean. That could have been the hot take in and of itself that he didn't like Home Alone or what, blah, blah, blah. But it literally takes place during Christmas time. I don't understand how you could say that it's not a Christmas movie. It literally is. I don't think there was a lot of supporting fact that went into that opinion. So it's tough to fully <laughs> just, digest. But exactly. Are, are we going to say Elf isn't a Christmas movie? Cause he started in the, in the, in the North pole, you know, after he, he jumps in Santa's bag. I, I don't know. Where does it oh, end? God. Is how I look at it. So <laughs> Josh, I, I love you. You're one of my favorite Villanova players I've mm-hmm. ever seen, but 
I, I'm not sure what, what's going on there. Yeah, you wonder where the, the supporting facts came from. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And then oh, we, got, we have one more question we can close on from Rob, and it's a fun one. Best and worst Christmas slash holiday song. Yeah, this one is a gimme for me. I have my gimme. two favorites. Wow. Yeah, this might not. These are old classic ones, but they're my favorite tunes. It's Santa Tell Me by Ariana Grande. Okay. And Underneath a Tree by Kelly Clarkson. That's a good one. I like I like yeah. Kelly Clarkson one. I can go yeah. for that. I actually run to Underneath a Tree by Kelly Clarkson. That's a fun fact. Yeah, I know. It's interesting. Like not <laughs> even in Christmas time, just on the running playlist at times. And what's what's the worst Christmas? Uh, I don't know. This one didn't come into my head right away. I, I don't love the really, really old ones that they play, like rocking around the Christmas tree. Wow. Just a, a hatred know. for tradition. How dare you? I, I know. I, I, <laughs> I won't get into it, but I kind of am a Scrooge and I don't love having a Christmas tree. Also another Christmas song that I another love. Hot though, take. Yeah, we're just going to completely swerve that. Last Christmas by Taylor Swift, obviously. <laughs> you had to throw in the Taylor because Swift. Any attempt that I have to bring Taylor Swift into an episode, I'm going to do that. Don't worry, Nova Nation. I love, I love having a Christmas tree. So I, I, <laughs> I, I will take a stand there. Uh, I, I copped out as well. And I give you three. Uh, huh. First first one, Believe, Josh Groban, Polar Express. Unbelievable oh. song. Got to go with Ooh. it. Where Are You Christmas? Faith Hill. Have to go mm. a little country uh, take there, even though it's not really a country song. And then I Am From Long Island, New York. So New York Christmas from Rob Thomas had to be on the list for me. Good ones. Uh, least favorite. I did have one here because it's just uncomfortable for me, at least. I saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. is <laughs> not on my Christmas playlist. I just, I, not for me. If it's for you, phenomenal. That's yeah. great. A uh, little but weird, but we'll get over it. Nah, I, I, I understand the premise. We don't. Never mind. We don't need to go further into yeah, that. We don't need to <laughs> I actually did come up with one explicitly that I dislike. That stupid donkey song. <laughs> that stupid song. What That's going to make some people it? upset. Is it Dominic? I believe it is. Why? Just why? I have so I, many questions about it. I, I have fun fact there. I didn't hear that until I went to Villanova and one of my really? friends played it for me um were you shook about it i was confused but yeah. we'll leave it at that okay <laughs> thank <laughs> you for the question thank you for the to everyone thank <laughs> you for the questions but all right that'll do it for us here on the state of the nova nation podcast presented by vu hoops i think you can tell we had a lot of fun with this one um if you haven't be sure to go back and listen to tuesday's episode with that trouble in texas as well as the biggies pick them follow along with the biggies picks that we made as well as make your own biggies picks in that article that is posted on vu hoops we also tweeted out the link if you're looking for it it's at the state of the nova nation twitter account but on top of that be sure to subscribe to the show leave a rating and follow us on twitter at s-o-n-n pod on VU Hoops right now, we have a Villanova schedule preview as we move into some games fast and furious. As we said, Brendan Riley wrote an interesting article on Wednesday's Horizon about Nova being reliant on the three. So plenty of content and Nova content for you to digest. But Nova Nation, that'll do it for us. We will be back at it on Tuesday. And Nova Nation, that's a wrap. <laughs>